welcome to this podcast and to the second episode. You're my second guest and I'm incredibly <laughs> honored. And just uh, to give you a bit of background. Um, so basically with this podcast and also with, with my website, I want to give um, uh, adult ballet starters who sort of feel they want to take their dance beyond just a hobby. Um, just you know, unique perspectives and ideas for what to do with their ballet. And um, also kind of uh, what drives me is to bridge that gap between the adult ballet world and the professional world, because I mm -hmm. think you know, there's a lot to learn. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, also, I would say it's a bit therapy for me because <laughs> mm -hmm. I often also struggle with the, what I call the shadow of the late start, you know, where you constantly feel behind and you don't know if you will ever catch up and there's so much to learn. So, you know, when I have conversations like, like this one, I, I just kind of forget about all that crap and I just, you know, I just feel um, energetic and, and inspired. So, um, yeah, and I specific, specifically wanted to connect with you because you have a very unique and unconventional path um, from what I've uh, read about you. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of giving people ideas, um, it, it will be just super valuable and, and inspiring. So thanks again for being here yeah. after this lengthy <laughs> introduction. <laughs> That's okay. Um, um. So, um, Let's start. I'm not, you know, let's see if this is going to work, but um, yeah. I, I didn't wanna... review any of the questions you sent me. So yeah, no worries. You know, it's okay. more for myself than, <laughs> than for anyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we can always edit stuff out, you know, that's like, because it's not live and I'm going to post process anyway. So it's okay. really no big deal. So I wanted to ask you if you, because, you know, I would love you to take us back a bit, you know, to that time when you started um, to dance. And do you remember anything, maybe a little story or anecdote from your childhood that kind of forecasted who Drew would become as an artist, let's say 30 years later or 20 years later or whatever? Yeah. Um, well, I started, started ballet when I was about four or five, somewhere in between there. And, um, my mom recently told me that I actually didn't want to go. So I, I wanted to go, but then I, you know, got bored and I didn't want to be there, but she, she made me go cause she had already paid for it. I just found that out recently. Cause I, as far as I remember, I always liked it, but, um, but um, when, so I don't really remember the early, early stages. Um, I always liked to, to be the center of attention. So it was a way to sort of, uh, to to well I always like to to entertain my family and put on little shows for them and everything but um I do remember like when I was about nine or ten and it becoming like more serious I guess I was around nine and I felt I felt this shift of like this is really intense and it, it, I became serious about it. Like I remember that shift and um, that's when it became like, okay, this is what I want to do. At 10 years old, I was, I was like sure that I wanted to leave home mm -hmm. and study ballet and be the best. And um, because I was from, I'm from Boise, Idaho. And um, I had some teachers, young age coming from, you know, guest teachers from New York or, different teachers from all over the world and they were always like okay well you you can't stay here <laughs> in Idaho so I kind of always had my sights set elsewhere and um and I think yeah when it became this like serious drive I just remember at 10 years old I was like this is this is it like <laughs> there's no other option I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know uh take over the world <laughs> yeah. so um, was there what, what was your environment like back then like um, was your family in any way involved in ballet or you know like your 
your social circle or were you kind of, you know, the only one in your world of experience um, to go down that route? I was definitely the only one in my family. My, my dad's side of the family are all um, into track and field. My dad was a track high jumper, mm -hmm. um, professional high jumper. And my grandpa was a track and field. He was a, a track and field coach. He went to the Olympics and coached track and field there. And um, so there was an athletic side for sure. Um, but I was definitely the only the only one in my family that had ever done ballet and um, it felt, yeah, like my, my thing. And, um, you know, even I remember like having to make that choice of giving up other things, you know, I wanted to run track or I wanted to do gymnastics or I wanted to, uh, yeah, they're all, all the hobbies, you know, um, mm -hmm. and it became quickly apparent that, I didn't have time for any of those things because I had to be, you know, dedicated and I wanted to be dedicated to, to just dance, but mm -hmm. it was, I think my parents were supportive for sure because they paid for me to go to lessons, you know, but, um, but it was my, my own thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what, um, what drew, what specifically drew you into ballet as opposed to, you know, the other things that you had to sacrifice for it? Um, during that um, time when you when you had the feeling that you wanted to be really serious about it like around nine and ten I think I think I felt that it I was I was good I recognized that I was good at it and mm -hmm. um, I was also you know I've always been tall so when I was I don't I must have been even at nine and ten I was I was I was tall so mm -hmm. can't be a tall gymnast <laughs> right mm -hmm. um, And uh, the sports stuff just felt like it was just for fun. But I, I always took this, so I took it so seriously, you know, as a kid to take something. So it was like serious to me. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't just a hobby. It was like, oh, I have to, you know, there's, for yeah, at that, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what sort of made me tick with it, but um um, it just, it outweighed everything else. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think the performative aspect of it too, because you know, it was all, of course, like, um, athletics have that same kind of drive and stuff, but I, I, I wanted to be in front of the room, you know, mm -hmm. um, commanding attention. So <laughs> mm -hmm. Were I you, also had um, a lot of, um, positive feedback from, from teachers and, um, that sort of told me that I had something. So mm -hmm. they kind of gave me that confidence boost of, you know, I'm good at this, so I should do it. Mm -hmm. um, were you an only child or did you have uh, siblings? Um, I have a younger brother who's seven years younger than me. Um, but I, okay. yeah, my from my mom um, and I have a stepdad mm -hmm. um, from a young age. And so he's, he's my, he's my half brother, but mm -hmm. I left home though when I was 14. So we were mm -hmm. seven years apart and I left when he was seven. So we didn't, right. we didn't, um, we weren't super close. Um, you know, I see. especially mm -hmm. after I left, but. I felt like an only child and my mom always right. says that she has two only children. So. Um, so you said you left uh, when you were 14. So that was for your pre-professional training. Um, so what, what was the next step for, was that the next big step sort of for you? Um, I went to San Francisco. Well, I was going to summer courses, um, you know, six weeks summer intensive courses, mm -hmm from the time I was 11 and so I'd go away for the summers and then kind of get exposed to, you know, people from all over the, pretty much all over the nation. It wasn't really a worldwide thing at that point, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, um, and at some of these summer intensives, you know, they, they further encouraged me to 
to leave and to study and to, you know, you, there's no big ballet company in Boise, Idaho. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, it was like more of a serious environment. There's more competition for me. And, um, so when I was 14, I went to study at San Francisco ballet for the year. So I moved to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that was sort of the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong in anything I say, you know, cause I did my research off the internet and you never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and also, you know, following you on, on Instagram. So I guess that's, that's, uh, that's definitely going to be more credible. Um, but I was reading in one article, um, and that's kind of, you know, the next point that I would love to dig into, which I think is really fascinating. Um, the time when you were 17 and you were looking, your, your dream was to join a major company and, and eventually becoming a principal dancer. And so you had this classical ballet dream and um, you got an offer to join Lines Ballet, which was sort mm-hmm. of not in line with what right. you know you were striving for. And yeah. um, there, you know, it seems like there was um, quite a process for you to make the decision and um, take take the offer and uh, run with it and go there. Yeah. Um, so I would love to, uh, you know, if you wanted to share that experience because you were young and you know. It, took you away from where you wanted to go. So what was, what was the process behind that? And how did you feel? So I was going to, I was actually here in Seattle going to Pacific Northwest Ballet School. Um, uh-huh. And my, the director of, of PNB here was very, and all of the dancers in the company and all of the staff were very, I was, I was, you know, a favorite for sure and they gave me every reason to believe that I would be getting into the company Mm -hmm. um and then when it came time for it you know they they made the excuse that um they can use the more average sized girls Mm -hmm. in the core um and that you know I wasn't really ready to be a soloist because I was so young so Mm -hmm. Um, in the end, they chose kind of a safe route. Um, and at that time, they had a lot of the, the school I was going to, PNB, I was in the professional division, which they had a program that um, invited directors from all over the country to come and watch the class. It's sort of like a private audition. Mm-hmm. So several directors came and watched, and we had these audition classes kind of built into the program and Alonzo King came to to one of these um one of these classes and he he was like oh you need to come to San Francisco and you need to you know he was very just quickly like yeah come work with me we'll test it out so um I I went to San Francisco and I and I worked with him for a week and then at the end of the week he offered me a contract and and he was like you know you don't want to you don't want to dance for a, you don't want to be some small, you know, small fish in this, this company when you're young, I'll give you opportunity to, you know, be on stage. You'll be dancing. You'll, you won't be waiting around, you know, for your turn, you'll be dancing right away. And, um, and yeah, it wasn't exactly my dream. Um, but I'm so, so, so thankful that it happened like that because he really set up the foundation for my for my for who I am as an artist and a dancer and um you know he pushed all of those classical I it was it wasn't like I was giving up any sort of classical training it was actually the opposite it was more demanding than any kind of classical ballet um you know it was pushing the limits and I was still wearing point shoes for everything and it was very balletic. I think my struggle was not with my satisfaction of dancing and being on stage and, you know, working as a 17 year old. It was more like I wanted to, to be out in the bigger 
world working with more choreographers because this was one man, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of always had my eyes like on the bigger companies um, just to get the experience and the exposure and, um, you know, I didn't want to stay in this bubble, um, even though it was a great bubble. Um, it was a formative time in my career. Um, and um, so I was always auditioning while I was at Lines and I was open about that and it was always, you know, trying to 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 go you know I was looking in Europe already and auditioning for a bunch of different ballet companies you know I had this idea of you know when you train at at a level they kind of implant you with this idea of what is is the ideal outcome Mm -hmm. and that was still ingrained in me for sure so I was I had this idea that I have to make it to the top you know of you know the, the top Mm-hmm. top company top dancer you know and yeah I mean that that was just a young a naive perspective um no, but it's time. a good point and I want to dig into that um with another question question later too so thanks for um yeah. bringing that <laughs> up yeah mm-hmm. what and um, it pushed me you know it pushed me to get out of out of Seattle which I'm so thankful for I mean I thought this was the 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 end all be all and and I've been all over the entire world you know and if I had you know got stuck in this company in Seattle it it would have been way less fulfilling so right yeah um what specifically did he see in you uh you know when he saw you first at age 17 Oh, he has a, um, in, he, he's inclined, he has inclination toward, uh, tall dancers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I fit the type for sure for yes. his, his mm-hmm. type. And, um, yeah. he doesn't only have tall girls, you know, in his company, but that's definitely like, it was a plus for him and not like not like a, a problem mm-hmm. you know it was never he was never like oh was well, an no yeah. no it was yeah. like no this is great like he liked he likes athleticism and power and um I think you know just my physicality is what what I was so young you know and uh and he was at a point you know where I think the company had a lot of tur- turnover there was a lot of older dancers mm-hmm um retiring so he was looking for a young crop <laughs> mm-hmm. and um yeah i think that's that's basically it he's I'm kind of the the ideal lines ballet <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, pick <laughs> yeah um i'm also wondering based on what you just said um did you always had have this kind of open mindedness towards pivoting and being flexible with your plans and and visions because you know I'm thinking it probably takes a lot from a 17 year old to kind of change plans and then also to keep pursuing um you know still keep pursuing that goal of getting into major companies and keep auditioning you know, despite rejections and, um, so where, where did that tenacity come from and, and also that open-mindedness and, um, at the same time? Um, I think I knew that I was capable of a lot and, and I, you know, the company, the lines was a challenging, you know, it was, it was a good company. I saw the dancers, they were amazing. It was just like, it was such a small little, bubble and and um I think I I like to move that way I like to be super you know extreme with my physicality and to be creative and I always like to to work with choreographers um and make you know I always had I was always kind of like better at the modern or like you know that was like a specialty like the contemporary and the modern in the school you know I wasn't the one that hated the modern classes I liked that and mm-hmm. I liked both so I was already like open um to different styles of movement um 
but I think just uh, my ambition was was bigger sometimes is bigger than than the yeah it was a small company and um at that time very not we you know we would get laid off for a long time you know they were just kind of starting to to get on the world map Mm -hmm. um yeah so you know I was like I just want to go to a a big company and make money and be the star you know and Mm -hmm. uh yeah but I was I was also growing as an artist and I was you know so it was both I was like I was happy but I was also hungry so Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. I um. You know, like that kind of um. Uh, ties into um, sort of the next thing. Uh, I I was also reading that there was kind of a key moment for you, a, a key conversation with um. Gradimir Pankov from. Mm-hmm. Um, Mon- he was in Montreal with the mm-hmm. uh, Grand Ballet Canadien, mm-hmm. um, and he, uh, from how I understood it, he really helped you open up to the idea of going be- beyond a traditional trajectory into a company right. and going through the ranks. Yeah. Um, can you uh, maybe Tell us more about this conversation and and what happened for you. And you were, I think, you were in your early 20s? Then, yeah, I think or? I was 21 when that happened, I'm pretty sure. 21, 22. Um, 18, 19, 20. I might have been 20, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, this company, you know, seemed seemed like again i was like this is a great fit they do contemporary they do classical they do balancing it will just you know i was i what my main concern with lines is that the repertoire was limited to just alonzo's work and mm-hmm. and i didn't you know i didn't get to explore different choreographers and right. different styles and different experiences so that was my that that was my main driving force you know besides like oh being this big ballerina I because I knew that lines was good and I you know I knew that I was it could be satisfied to some degree there but so it, this this audition you know he he has me take the class and you know he, he told me I just I just I can't hire you if I hire you I'm gonna have upset an upset the other dancers are going to be upset and like mm. what what is that like how is that an excuse and you know if I'm good then hire me yeah and he's like you know you're just you're almost like too glamorous for this mm. and like too you know you should be you should be why he's like why are you why are you like waiting for a director to sort of say yes and you know to do to do another ballet that 200 people have done before and why do you you know why don't you think about acting or or you know you're like Sid Charisse you should you should be on tv or you should have your own show like Sylvie Guillaume and I was like 20 years old I was like I'm not gonna have my own show like Sylvie Guillaume Mm -hmm. um and I was just so frustrated and and like and but after that conversation I was like well why why not actually like why do I have to force myself into this box of like of you know I know what I'm capable of I know that I'm good enough to to get it but then am I gonna really just wait for somebody to to hand me this opportunity and then I just decided that day that we're gonna move to New York I was gonna quit lines we're gonna move to New York and start fresh and you know I'll maybe look into Broadway or modeling or you know I'll market myself as a guest dancer even though I had never had no experience with that um and that's what we did and (laughs) I had a couple of um and this was before like you know people were really freelancing especially my age with my background um so my husband made a website for me and (laughs) we moved to New York and I just started cold calling everybody I could think of you know different companies in New York 
I got an agent. I joined a commercial agency. Um, you know, I started like going to castings for modeling stuff and I was just like, ah, oh, it's fine. I can like do everything and, you know, like not limit myself. And, and um, so I, I worked with a couple of different companies in New York as like a, a start. And then it just sort of, my whole career kind of blossomed from that point where I took a, took a different turn and stopped waiting. And I just started to go after the, the things that I wanted, of course, um, yeah, I just went a different, different route. In the end, I start. I worked with the, I, I achieved the same goal of being, you know, work, like being a top level ballerina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was working with New York City ballet dancers and, and Royal Ballet dancers and Paris Opera Ballet dancers um, uh, with Christopher Wielden's company. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then yeah, I started to get invited to these, these galas because they were these classical ballet galas of, you know, Royal Ballet, Paris Opera, you know, Berlin, all these American Ballet Theater. And then it was like me and my dance partner, <laughs> we were our own company and, um, and we were always like the different one. And then, you know, and then people started to envy that path. They're like, oh, I wish I could do what you do and be free. And, you know, and it was just, it was a, it was an interesting sort of shift. Um, I love that. And I like, um, you know, what really speaks to me and also reminds me very much of, of um, my own thought process is the way um, that conversation and then, you know, what, a, what you did as a result was sort of um, creating your your own opportunities and what I like to say or, or yeah, say is, you know, you, you're basically building your own stage. Yeah. You're not waiting for someone to give you permission to perform. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't, you're not subject to someone's agenda and um, you know, whatever they want to perform, you basically, you choose, you're kind of in the, in the driver's seat. Yeah. Um, how did you because you, you you sound you know like this was once you made the decision you know this was a straightforward thing and you sound like you went into it with a lot of confidence um did you ever struggle with um self-doubt or um um you know like having to deal with rejections because you know i'm sure there were um, some as well on, on that freelance path or maybe not I don't know um, yeah or was that something that you never really had to deal with um, I, I definitely dealt with a lot of rejection but I never let it shake my confidence I never felt like mm-hmm. I never doubted myself um, I I was like mad at them, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I never felt like, Oh, maybe I'm not like good enough or maybe I need to, you know, I never felt like that. I think I always was pretty aware of like what I was capable of. And, you know, I had a lot of, even, even like with the rejection, I had a lot of like, it wasn't like, Oh, you're not good enough. Most of the time it was like, you're too special, you know? Mm, so yeah um that was just like it was super frustrating but I was like I gotta I gotta like you know I gotta do something I gotta I gotta I gotta do this I can't just sit on it and I I wouldn't take no for an answer basically mm-hmm. so um yeah I got is that does that answer your question <laughs> I yeah. never had a I never had I of course I got frustrated but I never it wasn't at my own wasn't at myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. was that was that something that sort of that you had um you know that unshakable confidence is that something that you had since childhood because you mentioned that you you know you kind of the feedback that you got throughout your training and early career basically um you know reinforced that idea of of you know needing to do something that works with your uniqueness 
uh, yeah. versus blending in somewhere right. um, or were there maybe also you know like mentors supporters it sounds like your husband played a role in terms of um, you know giving you support um, Okay. Yeah, okay. several questions. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I had uh, I had some teachers in like you know around the time that I was ten or so, and and like I said, the guest teachers that would come were always super um, positive, and they always you know everyone had their suggestions of what I should do, where I should go, and who would like me, and you'd be perfect for this or you'd be perfect for that, and that's maybe that maybe is what set me up for frustration because I, I had, I had all that, that everybody said stuff, but then nobody, nobody like followed up on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, yeah, I agree with you, but like, show me, show me the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, okay. Remind me again if, um, I'm lost yeah, so now on the, on the question. Supporters, mentors. Um, yeah. That had like, you know, like key supporters and mentors that sort of come to mind. Yeah. I also, think that especially was, during that freelance period um, when you... I had nobody to mentor me during the freelancing mm -hmm. period. Okay. I was like, I'm doing this myself. <laughs> I'm going for it. Um, mm -hmm. um, I had... Uh, there was a guy in lines when I was um you know when I first joined and he used to be in Beige Art Ballet and Hamburg Ballet and he mm -hmm. he he also was like oh you know don't let um you know if if a door closes like go through the window and so that was kind of like that stuck with me and I was like okay and I you know like you hear this and it could it could easily be like super annoying you know and <laughs> to have some overly confident young dancer like you know not taking no for an answer and pushing and what but I I really had to do it because there was no other there was no other way um there was no other way I you know I mm -hmm. I, I think an, a turning point for me was when I was in New York and I was working with you know different small companies and I I looked up I googled Chris Wielden's email and I found it because he had just started this company. And so I emailed him, explained my situation. Um, and, and I, I think his mentality is really, um, he's young or he, you know, at that time was a younger choreographer and like a little bit more open-minded and the choreographers have always liked me. Choreographers have always wanted to work with me. It's not, it's the directors, you know, that have to kind of keep, Mm -hmm. keep the company and do the rep and have a certain certain formula mm -hmm. the choreographers have always been like yes come work with me you know it's mm -hmm. always it's always been it, it's just like that's not what I wanted I like I wanted to do the stuff that I've seen you know that I like oh, I want to try that or but in the end like my my career has mostly been about creating roles you know and and um and making something that's unique for me and making original roles and um but i like i like to have both you know i like to then see you know like bolero for instance beige arts bolero I've always like dreamt of doing that and and again this is another story of like um not taking no for an answer i wasn't up on the cast list but i was you know one of the two or three principals um in, in Belgium and I was like why am I not I'm like I'm perfect for this like why wouldn't and he was like oh I didn't I didn't think you'd want to do this because it's so old-fashioned and I was like no I want to do it let me do it <laughs> so like I had to you know I had to speak up and kind of right. tell people yeah. you know and of course like I think after a while like it that sort of mentality like calmed down a bit because people started to to know know me more and right you know I just had the reverse career as well like I was freelancing and then I went back to companies at the end of my career which is you know it's it's uh kind of a, the opposite of what most people do exactly yeah how did how did that uh come come about um 
What was um, the process behind that for you? Well, I was working um, with, um, I was, I was freelancing and I was working with Chris Wilden's company and, um, and he had, well, we actually, he, he let us sort of, me and my dance partner, Ruby Kronk, he let us sort of tell him what kind of rep we want because we were like the ones that were different, you know, he had like all these, these classical ballerinas in the company, which I was happy because it was putting me at the level that I wanted, mm-hmm. like internationally and like at the, you know, working with the people that I wanted to work with, but then I could do it in my own way and, you know, mm-hmm. have, he, he wanted us to suggest choreographers. And so we were working with Paul Lightfoot and Sol Leon from Netherlands Dance Theater. And um, they told me, you know, they're from an institution, so they have a very traditional sort of um, mindset that they were like, oh, you can't, you can't freelance. You're too young to freelance and you need to, you know, be nurtured and grow and blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. you need to come to NDT. And I, I was, I was actually at a point where I was just tired of doing all of the administrative work for, for my because I started a company we were touring Mm -hmm. you know I was putting on my own shows but we didn't have barely any kind of funding or resources or help or you know because all of this happened faster than we you know imagined it to people thought we were a company but really we're just two dancers with some Mm -hmm. friends it you know and so we kind of pushed us to to grow but then I was just tired so I was like yeah so moving to Europe and dancing in a company with a schedule and physical mm-hmm. therapy and everything <laughs> it sounded like a rest like a I see uh, yeah. yeah and actually like it was one of the first times in my life that something did just come to my to my lap you know I'd always right. have to fight for everything and so I was like oh this is just falling in my lap it's like I have to do it, you know, nothing ever happens like this for me. So mm. that's what made me do the shift. And then after a few years at NDT, um, I had a baby and, um, you know, kind of uh, grew frustrated with the directorship. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like getting that itch to, to be my own again. Mm-hmm. But I, or yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, and I then joined another company, but um, I had a lot more freedom because I, I set it up that way from the beginning mm-hmm. um, for myself. And, and um, the director was a lot more open to letting me be, you know, individual in a company as opposed to one part of, you know, the ensemble. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, then I, then I'm, that's pretty much leaves, it leaves me at the end. <laughs> um, before we move further, I, you know, I have, I have so many questions and you, please, you tell me when your time is out, you know, okay. Just, I do have just, another call at 11. So 20 more minutes is. Okay. Okay. I'll yeah. have to speed up. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, So, yeah, so maybe just to kind of um, tie this in. Um, so in the adult ballet world, what, um, what is so interesting that while, you know, people are not striving for what would be a classical ballet trajectory, right? So training and then, you know, company contract. Um, because, you know, that's clearly outside uh, most people's reach. Um, I still often see sort of the the idea that, you know, like you start by taking classes and then at some point you kind of um, learn classical variations and then maybe you perform in some sort of setting. And I think what your, your career is showing and what I think would be wonderful to explore even for older starters is that it doesn't have to be, um, you know, the same thing all the time that you can actually combine different artistic areas and you know as you said acting modeling um you know writing would be another option which is kind Mm -hmm. of my avenue um i'm wondering do you have any kind of advice for someone who started late like myself um for how to go about exploring such avenues 
Um, do you mean like professionally? Um, yeah, why not? Like, you know, so that you kind of create a prof portfolio of right. um, activities uh, that, you know, added yeah. up together can cover some sort of living expenses. Um, if not yeah. fully, then uh, in part. Yeah, it's hard to say, but I think, like you said, portfolio, that's a good, good point because um, we all have these different paths, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and how to sort of highlight them and find your niche. Maybe it's not even in the world, you know, it's not in the ballet world, but you take your knowledge of dance and, and in, in, in another setting, it would be, you would be the most knowledgeable person, of, mm -hmm. you know, there, yeah. um, say yeah. for like therapy or, um, you know, some kind of, events where you could like then curate or you know mm -hmm. if you have some if you want to be involved I mean I yeah it's hard it's hard to to sort of imagine a, a performing career out of like starting at a late unless unless you do it in a a different way or um mm -hmm. or maybe you know do it for education or for children or you know mm -hmm. Yeah, this thing um, or just you know to find a way to like put the love of dance into some other aspects of of um, your life I guess mm -hmm. um, but I think just always to keep it open mind and not to say well okay I'm taking ballet class how can I use the like there's there's many ways of, of using the knowledge yeah. even if it's not through your actual body you know exactly like yeah. I, mm -hmm reviewing you know becoming a critic or um um yeah those are sort of the ideas that come to head to my head, top of my mind mm -hmm. <laughs> okay um let's uh take a bit of a um segue into slightly uh you know slightly different topic so we've covered sort of your, your, um, your journey until now. And, you know, towards the end, you can maybe tell us um, where you headed next. But um, I wanted to ask you also, because, you know, one thing that also drew me to your work and um, uh, that was basically your, your height. It was started when I was kind of Googling uh, for advice for tall dancers when I, you know, it was pretty fresh into ballet and I was like the only tall one in my classes. Um, and, you know, when I, when I see your, um, your Instagram posts and your website, I, um, you know, I see someone who's really unapologetically herself, um, who really, who's really grounded in her physicality and in her, her tallness. Um, someone who's not trying to please, but, you know, like staying in, in, um, in her power. And, and, you know, those are things that especially I think women can struggle with. And also as um, people who started, who came to something like ballet late, um, you know, that's some often not, not easy to maintain. Um, yeah. Where, where is that? Um, so how, how was your experience of, of being a tall dancer? And did you train in a way um, that were, you know, was in specific um, aspects unique for that? Yeah, I've been tall since I was very young. So I knew from the time I was 11 or 12 that like, this is gonna be, I'm tall and it's gonna be hard. You know, the teachers said, they always said it's gonna be really hard and you have to be, you have to work extra hard. You have to be better. You have to, you know, every little move has to be more extreme. And so I just took that as a challenge and, you know, said, mm -hmm. okay, I'll work harder. And mm -hmm. um, I definitely trained with that in mind. I, you know, I'm not the first tall ballerina. I've had, you know, some, some, um, some sort of role models as when I was growing up and I would, watch them and you know I just 
I really always saw it as an asset, mm -hmm. um, even though sometimes people said, you know, it's going to be difficult. Um, I just kind of made me work harder. Um, mm -hmm. um, as far as like adult, uh, like body issues, is that what you're referring well, yeah. To? So the question was, you know, is there anything uh, you you can maybe share or recommend in terms of keeping in mind when training as a as you know when coming into ballet as a tall person? I think like find the things that you like about yourself and then focus on those those traits. Um, you know, it's a hard it's a hard profession or a hard hobby or whatever to stand in front of the mirror and like analyze yourself it's very very difficult especially if you're not happy with what you see I think it's that's uh that's tricky so I'll you know and now I'm into choreography and um and I think all those little like unique things that everybody has that you're maybe trying to suppress or to trying to become more like this one homogenized version of a ballerina or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's really, um, it's not useful at all. <laughs> um, right. I think to find those things that make you quirky or different or, you know, and then to like exaggerate those things and to focus mm. and, and also to make other people see them because um, like I can't hide my height. I can't try to become average. So I had to like, mm -hmm. you know, be like you said, unapologetic about it. And, and I, and, and that's something that I have that not everybody has. So I think that that's something that dancers should definitely, um, oops, either. I am losing battery. I'm going to go plug in. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what can you give uh, one example? What, you know, one thing that, that was for you, like that you exaggerated maybe that, you know, that you found as your strength and you kind of played it as much as you could. Um, I think anything with my legs in the air, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they go extra long and extra, you know, and also, um, I'm, um, I was a jumping, I jumped really well. Mm -hmm. And to see like a tall person that can jump was something like, I think people were like, well, it's hard to not notice, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Amazing. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, something, even if it's like for an, in the context of adult, you know, when maybe somebody doesn't have the ideal body, they haven't been training their whole life or something, but maybe even just that ballet class of like, learning about your body then you can take it out you know into the the street and you know walk a little bit more confidently or gracefully or right. hold yourself yeah. differently or maybe you dance you take a tango class and because you have the ballet training you feel more confident you know this kind of thing I think those yeah. are ways to apply it mm -hmm. yeah um I'm just, you know, looking at the time a little bit. There's so much I want to explore, but I would love to get a little bit, because uh, you mentioned that you have uh, a daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, you know, I've seen what you can, you know, see through Instagram that uh, you seem like a mother who really encourages her daughter to express herself, to... Mm -hmm to be wild, to be creative, not be afraid. And um, so what, what are your cornerstones or guiding lights and, and how were they maybe influenced by your experiences and dance, um, you know, that, that now kind of you use to support her and encourage her? Um, well, I, I, as far as dance goes, um, of course, it's always a part of my identity and it's a part of me. And of course I see her and I'm like, oh, she would be a good dancer. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm offering her, you know, do you want to take ballet? Do you want to take ballet? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. But like, but she, I can tell that she would be good at it. And mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm just, you know, letting her explore physically. We have dance parties, like, you know, sometimes daily. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a big aspect of it has just been, um, socializing with a broad, um, group and demographic people, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and being, you know, I think that's something like she's been exposed to traveled all all over the world. Mm-hmm. She meets, you know, new people all the time and she's and I think that's that's um that's the most um yeah, that that's what I feel is the most influenced by my career or something just mm-hmm. like being open and being yeah. you know open to experience things and to travel and mm-hmm. to meet people basically. Um, yeah. Which of course you can have in other, you don't have to be a dancer to have those things, but it's, it's been something that's, that I've taken and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that she's been along for the ride for sure mm-hmm. as well. So she's How- not surprised, you know, she's, she's been in the dance studio since she was, a baby so she's seen people rolling on the floor and right. you know acting yeah. crazy and like you know and it's just normal for her it's just to use her yeah. body like in, yeah. in very in many kind of ways which you know some that's something that a lot of kids these days um are definitely yeah. not exposed to yeah mm-hmm. how was how is your experience of becoming a mother and then because you returned to to dance um after that um um, well, yeah, what was it like for you, like both culture-wise, emotionally, but also physically? Um, I think I was a bit surprised um, by my own reaction to it. Um, I I had in my mind that I would, you know, have a kid and just nothing would really change. I would be um, still like super career driven and you know the kid I have a kid now but I still have this career and and you know after having her I was like oh I don't I don't even want to do this anymore because I you know like this is not a priority at all anymore um Mm, but Mm -hmm. I mean I had those thoughts especially when she was really really young you know and I had to leave her to go work and I was like Mm -hmm. I don't want to you know do this Mm -hmm. of course it was hard physically and everything but um but I mean, in the end, I'm, I'm glad, you know, it, it forced me to get back into shape and it, it gave me something of my own, you know, like that I can go and spend time in the studio and get my, you know, just work, um, which I think is important for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but, you know, I lost, I definitely got a lot more perspective. Um, mm-hmm. So if things were going, you know, not very fun at work or, you know, there was drama or, you know, I was unsatisfied with whatever piece I was doing or I was annoyed at the choreographers or whatever, um, I just didn't care as much. And it didn't, Mm. like, it didn't, like, upset me for, I was just like, okay, this is like, I can't wait to get home to my family tonight, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's good. I'm I'm, like, this is paying the bills and I'm going to go home to my family and it just, and then if things were really good, it was like, oh, this is great. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have everything. I have a family and, a, you know, I'm satisfied at work. But I just, I stopped, I stopped letting the, like, the frustrations really get to me. Because I was like, it doesn't matter. I have, I have a, I have more important things to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the most, is there anything you struggle with or that you find challenging? um you know in kind of the schedule uh, yeah time mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. it was just got to the point I think it I think it ultimately you know like like one it made me want to stop you know mm-hmm. that having a having a kid and and having a, a bad injury um both of those things were like okay this is not worth it anymore mm-hmm. um so um, it made me want to shift gears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so 
you just recently moved to Seattle again. Mm -hmm. You, I saw you spend some time in, in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, give us a bit of, of um, maybe, so, yeah, just an idea where are you at right now? Where are you headed? What brought you to Seattle? Um, how did you get through these challenging times? Um, They're not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's a better situation for you guys in Europe, for sure. Um, we, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just here for the summer. I'm going to return, but Canada is not too bad. Um, oh, you're in Canada right now? Yeah. I'm, in so Toronto. right now I'm in Munich, but I'm going to go back to Toronto. Um, in oh, okay. August. Yeah. Okay. Well, still better than the U.S. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Um, so uh, I actually got offered a job in Mexico um, and was supposed to start that job in January. And okay. this was back in September, um, October, November. We were trying to negotiate stuff. I got a job as an artistic director of a company mm -hmm. there. Um, and we had you know, had had everything in motion to move. And um, then they just stopped contacting me. So um, we were like, should we should we move anyway? Should we move back to New York? Should we stay in Antwerp? Should we move to Barcelona? Because we love we love Barcelona and why not? Mm -hmm. And so we we didn't really know what we were going to do when we, we spent Christmas with my family in Idaho and had all our stuff put in storage in Antwerp and mm -hmm. we're just going to see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, we were applying for visas to move to Spain um, and just freelance from, you know, mm -hmm. I would do my choreography and, um, and I'm looking into doing some more acting and, um, and of course, you know, dance as well mm -hmm. but there's another element is that I, I I had a hip surgery in November that didn't mm -hmm. really work so I'm probably going to have a total hip replacement mm -hmm. um so I don't we you know we didn't really want to be in Spain for that just because mm -hmm. I don't know the healthcare system I don't right. you know in Belgium they wouldn't even give me a hip replacement because they say I'm too young mm -hmm. so um in the meantime my husband got offered this job out of the blue in Seattle and It was sort of our like lifeline. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so we just came here very last minute and, you know, our stuff is still in Antwerp right now. It's being shipped, I think this month. Okay. Um, we finally figured out that we're going to be here for a little while um, and, and figure stuff out, you know, and then, you know, the pandemic hit and right. all of my jobs got canceled. So it's really great that my husband, you know, we were kind of traveling he was following me around for my whole career and mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, making his work around my career. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, so now it's a shift. And so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'm struggling for sure with the wow, sort of warning, yeah, warning the end of my career, this transition yeah. back to the States, which, you know, we're not, we're not so happy about. Um, and um yeah, I'm just kind of taking a little pause and I'm, I'm probably going to get a hip replacement in the next couple mm -hmm. of months and wait for this vaccine and then <laughs> start back up again. I'm working on a few little video projects with, mm -hmm. um, with different dance companies and, um, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that so openly. And, and, you know, it's, I appreciate that because You know, it also shows me that, like, there's no end. It's not that you're, like, in a spot where everything is settled at some point, you know. When you're hungry yeah. for more and you want to keep growing, you will be in situations that um, will be challenging and you don't see, sort of, you know, what route yeah. will come next. So, um, so. Thank you. And, and I, you know, I hope that you can figure it out. And it seems like the skills you built during your early freelancing, um, you know, the tenacity, the flexibility is, is, you know, exactly what you need right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it will, it will be fine. It's just kind of finding, you know, letting go of my physicality in a way. I think after I get yeah. my hip replacement, it's things will get, you know, back on mm -hmm. track, I hope, but 
I think it's just a hard time for dancers, choreographers, artists, totally. you know, yeah. in general, yeah. like not everything yeah. stopped. So it's not yeah. just me, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it happened to come at this time where it was like already like that for right. me, but, yeah. um, but, you know, I had some, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my own choreography and I had some, some gigs lined up for the, the, you know, a few, like five or six gigs and, you know, they were all canceled. So, but that's the same for everybody, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's that just struggling with the career thing, but also the whole lifestyle and culture shock of being back here. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. After being in Europe for so long also. Yeah. I can yeah. totally see that. Um, I want to be respectful of your time because I, um, your next call is up. Um, I hope we can do around two sometime. <laughs> I would love yeah. to dig more into a few aspects. Um, is there anything, uh, you know, last thing you would like to share or um, add? Um, wrap this up? I can't think of anything right now. Okay. Um, That's great. But yeah, if, no you have any, if you want to do a follow up, we can just let me know. And we can schedule. Something. I would love to. Yeah, because, okay. uh, you know, there's there's definitely um, more things to dig in. And um, yeah, so okay. <laughs> thank you so much for taking this time. And um, I wish you all the best in, in the next um, few weeks and months. Thank you so much. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> you too. I'm just going to stop okay. the recording. Talk uh, later.